Blog Talk Radio. Happy Friday, everybody. Welcome to the Michael Cutler Hour. I am your host, Michael Cutler. It is April the 6th, 2018. Spring is here, although uh, the weather in New York, not so much. I I hope all of you have had a wonderful week. Uh, Those of you wrapping up Passover, and you're probably tired of the the dietary restrictions and so forth. And for everyone else, I, I just hope it's been a great week for all of you. And I thank you for joining me. Always a privilege and pleasure to get together with you at the end of the week so we could play that game of catch-up that we seem to have to do uh, so frequently with all the madness that's happening. If you're familiar with me, if you're familiar with my program, you know that I'm a retired senior special agent with the former Immigration and Naturalization Service, an agency that was sliced, diced, split up, and screwed up in the wake of 9-11 incredibly Uh, even though the 9-11 Commission, to which I provided testimony, made it clear that first and foremost, the attacks of 9-11, the worst terror attacks ever carried out on American soil since the founding of our great nation, those attacks were only possible because of multiple failures of the immigration system. But the globalists and our government, the puppets of corporations and special interest groups, that see as our borders not the first and last line of defense that they truly are, but as an impediment to great wealth, their wealth, have done what they wanted, dismantled our border, permitted millions of people from other countries to enter the United States, many without screening. This nonsense that they entered undocumented is lunacy. That's like saying a bank robber made an unlicensed or an undocumented withdrawal. This isn't undocumented, folks. Uh, This is trespass. This is an invasion. There's no other way to describe it. Look up the definition of invasion. Sanctioned, supported, encouraged, aided, abetted by many members of the political regime that took an oath to defend the Constitution, that made campaign promises to look out for the best interests of their constituents, Americans. It's insanity. This isn't about xenophobia, yet we hear it all the time. Oh, you're anti-immigrant and you're nativist. And my gosh, the greatest harm done by the current immigration crisis, and make no mistake, it's a crisis, the greatest harm, the greatest violence has been visited primarily upon the members of the various ethnic immigrant communities, not just from Latin America. Certainly they comprise a significant part of the problem because of geography. The United States shares more than 2,000 miles of border with a country that is firmly uh, situated in the third world. No other place in the world do we have that. A country of America's caliber uh, sharing a border with a third world corrupt nation known for its violence, its drug cartels, uh, its anarchy. There are places of Mexico that approach the status of failed state. And yet, incredibly, we have politicians, and I'm going to point the finger mostly at the Democrats, but 
The Republicans aren't much better because they want the cheap labor. And we're going to get into a little bit of that in a moment with what's going on with China. But let's first of all understand that America's immigration laws have nothing to do with race or religion or ethnicity. If they did, I would never have joined that agency and spent 30 years of my adult life enforcing and administering those laws. Those laws are purely about keeping out aliens with dangerous communicable diseases, aliens who are severely mentally ill, aliens who are criminals, murderers, arsonists, rapists, drug traffickers, gun runners, bank robbers, fraudsters, uh, aliens who have been previously deported, aliens who are spies or terrorists or human traffickers or war criminals or fugitives from justice. And then finally, we get to aliens who would likely become a public charge, or aliens who, if they don't have authorization to work in the United States, would likely do so illegally and thereby um, displace American workers and drive down wages and working conditions of others who were similarly employed. That's right out of the Immigration and Nationality Act, the body of law that I spent 30 years of my life enforcing specifically Title VIII, United States Code, Section 1182. There's nothing in there about race, religion, or ethnicity. It's about protecting America and Americans. What a quaint notion. It's the same reason, folks, we have the military. The five branches of the United States Armed Forces all have a common mission, to keep America's enemies as far from our shores. And this, in this era of asymmetrical warfare, terrorism, if you will, transnational gangs, those borders are a line of defense. This is no different from the homeowner who understands that there are home invaders and burglars wandering the neighborhoods, particularly at night, locking his or her door and looking through the peephole before opening the door to a stranger. That's all that we're talking about. Not based on race, not based on, I know I keep saying it, but the outrage is how the lie keeps getting repeated and how it's been successful in conning American people, people who have lost their lives, who've lost their jobs, who've lost family members, because of this duplicitous, insane conduct of politicians who have never been more corrupt than they are today. This is a hell of a bunch that we've elected, creating sanctuary cities that aren't sanctuaries, they're magnet cities that attract some of the world's worst. And that's what my mission has been ever since 9-11, to provide my fact-based, real-world experiences that the mainstream media refuses to provide because they are in on the game. Most of the networks that have second-language and third-language subsidiary networks don't want anybody removed from the United States because they charge for airtime for advertising based on viewership or on who listens to the program. They don't want that audience to shrink because they lose money. And these are people who know the price of everything and the value of nothing. Great American companies are going belly up because accountants, bean counters are running once great American companies, and all they can think about is profit, squeezing every last penny out of every every product that they sell not for once giving a damn about whether or not they're destroying their reputation. And my parents, who were phenomenal, I hope I'm one half the parent to my children that they were to me, 
uh, I'd be pleased with myself. They were phenomenal. They told me that reputation is all we have. And once you dirty your name, there's no getting it clean again. Then you look at corporations that are so focused on making every possible nickel that they can, even if it means firing loyal American employees, even if it means making substandard products, whatever it takes, make it cheaper and get that money. And we've seen it. And now we're paying the price. And that's why I write for the places that have me write for them. Very proud that I've been a columnist with Front Page Magazine, frontpagemag.com, for a number of years. For more than a decade, I've written articles for the social contract. I am super proud of the fact that they've sent off to the publisher a booklet, 30-odd pages, and the title of it is the same as an article I wrote for them about a year ago, Immigration Fraud, The Lies That Kill. Now, let's remember that the 9-11 Commission found immigration fraud, visa fraud, were the key methods of entry and embedding of the terrorists. So when I hear this Orwellian language, and let's be clear, this has nothing to do with political correctness. I am politically correct. I don't use languages that, that, that insult or denigrate other human beings. In my world, I thought that was the point of political correctness, to not use the kind of language that's insulting, that's dehumanizing. But that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about Orwellian tactics, the idea of newspeak, right out of 1984. If you've never read 1984, go get it. If you read it before, read it again. Because you'll understand exactly the game that's been played on us. It's a con game. Don't you dare use the word alien. Use the word immigrant. We're a nation of immigrants. So anybody who would dare suggest that somebody who's a human being isn't to be allowed into America is a terrible, hate-filled bigot Big lie, big, big lie. Uh, I've arrested people from every country on this planet when I was an agent. I've arrested people of every race, every ethnicity, not because of their race, not because of their ethnicity, but because they were criminals, they were spies, they were terrorists. They were involved with a whole bunch of stuff. I worked with the FBI on a number of cases. I spent half my 30-year career with the Organized Crime Drug Enforcement Task Force and with DEA Intelligence. Almost four years with DEA intelligence, more than 10 years with the drug task force. I had desks at the FBI, DEA, ATF, and all the lies, all the lies that you've heard, well, if immigration works with local police, then the criminals will will get away with murder and the victims won't come forward. That's a lie. One of my key responsibilities working with other agencies was to help them to cultivate informants using my authority as an immigration agent because I was able to get people authorization to remain in the United States. I was able to get them permission to work in the United States, even if they were here illegally. And my friends at the FBI and DEA said to me, you know, Mike, uh, we have much deeper pockets than you do. We can give these people all kinds of money. We have informants that make hundreds of thousands of dollars a year. But your ability to take care of that immigration problem for the alien who's out there that wants to cooperate is a greater incentive than all the money we can shovel at those people. And that's why they love to have an immigration agent along when they were trying to get people to cooperate in the ethnic immigrant communities. But the lie that you're being told by the globalists, by the crooked politicians, forgive the redundancy there, crooked politician, is that somehow 
we need to shield and protect these poor, quote-unquote, immigrants, even when the immigrants are child molesters and murderers and drug dealers, uh, you name it. We're going to protect them. It's a lie. And that's why I do this program. You know, in, in the months and years after 9-11, I was averaging 15 or more television interviews per month, MSNBC, CNN, Fox News, ABC. The phone calls were relentless. I had to turn down some of those calls because it would have caused me to try to be in two places at once. Only politicians know how to do that. I'm not a politician. They can be in multiple places simultaneously, can't they? It was insane, and I was happy to do it. I was happy to do it because when those ashes landed on my home on September 11, 2001, I was in a state of rage that you can't imagine, and it's only gotten worse, not better, because we as a country have made ourselves more vulnerable. The 9-11 Commission said that the visa process made it far too easy for terrorists to enter the United States. We had a visa waiver program in place back then, and I thought that that would be the end of the visa waiver program. I was always opposed to it. So we went from 26 visa waiver countries on 9-11. Today we have 38 visa waiver countries. It flies in the face of common sense. It flies in the face of reasonableness. doesn't matter. There's money to be made. And what the hell, if some Americans die, they're just collateral damage. And after all, the funeral industry is an industry. They need business, perhaps. And the Chamber of Commerce is happy to deliver the bodies to the, to the funeral homes, if need be. If it sounds harsh, I mean for it to be just that. How in the world does the United States government and state and city governments ignore the findings of the 9-11 Commission? In the name of the 9-11 Commission... We have lost almost all of our expectations of privacy. The Fourth Amendment virtually gone. And now um, under attack, First Amendment, Second Amendment, right down the line. We don't need no stinking Constitution, right? This is crazy. This is sheer madness. This is sheer madness. We've naturalized terrorists. We've given college educations to terrorists. Uh, it's absolutely astonishing. And, and so you have Diane Feinstein, February, I'm sorry, yeah, February the 24th, 1998, participated in a Senate Judiciary Committee hearing on terrorists operating in the United States. And back then, she said, maybe we should get rid of the visa waiver program. It was a pilot program back then. Maybe we shouldn't be giving visas to aliens who come from countries that sponsor terrorism. Of course, by now, we now have second-generation terrorists, uh, their parents gave birth to them in, in Europe and other countries that, by the way, um, enjoy the privilege of the visa waiver program. But back then it was a little easier to figure out where the terrorists were coming from rather than today. And she said maybe we shouldn't be giving visas to those countries, kind of like what Donald Trump said when he said let's not let those people in, let's not allow in refugees and so forth if we can't properly screen them. And everybody went bats. But he was right. He was right. If you, if you can't screen who you're letting in and the potential exists that you're letting in a terrorist, then rethink the, your admission policy. So the media called it a travel ban, and because Donald Trump has a problem articulating language with nuance, he came to call it a travel ban also. I was talking to a reporter over at uh, One American News Network, and I'm happy to do their shows. I was just on with Graham Ledger this past week. Graham does a wonderful job. I've been... Uh, 
on his show as a guest many, many, many times. Always loved doing the program. And, and, I, and I've said to Graham, I said, you know, first of all, I don't agree with him about political correctness. He says, you know, the PC police. No, it's the Orwellian thought police. Um, but, but it's also about what we're really doing with this visa waiver program and all these others. And I've raised these issues on his show. See, and, and they're willing to have me come on. And one day his producer said, well, if we didn't want to call it a travel ban, what would you call it? He said, I'd call it an entry restriction. There's a big difference between a travel ban and an entry restriction. And that's really what we're talking about. But finally, Diane Feinstein got to this issue of providing education to aliens who come from countries that sponsor terrorism, specifically classes in nuclear physics, biochemistry, the high-tech areas of study, because as she put it, and as she was very much concerned, and rightfully so, she said, we are likely teaching our enemies how to create weapons of mass destruction. After all, the United States had a policy about nuclear non-proliferation to keep nuclear technology out of the hands of our enemies. You know, countries like North Korea. How did that happen? Well, I wrote this article, and I started talking about it last week, and I apologize for um, last week's show. I somehow pushed the wrong button and wound up with a 15-minute program instead of a 60-minute program. And once you do that, there's no going back. You know, you kind of uh, jumped out of the airplane without the parachute and didn't realize it. Uh, It gives you a bad day. Fortunately, the consequences weren't quite as severe. But this is what I was going to discuss last week because I had written an article for Front Page Magazine, and it was entitled Educating America's Adversaries, and the subtitle, China's Engineers Are Building China's Military Who Taught Them. Please go to Front Page Magazine. Check out my article. It was published back on March the 27th. I know it's a while ago, but again, this was going to be the primary topic last week. We now have 152,000 students from China studying the STEM curriculum in the United States. Think about Dianne Feinstein. It's not just about terrorists, and China is not our ally. And let's remember, for all the the, the breast-beating and aren't we fabulous and all the self-congratulatory whoop-de-doo, you know, the Soviet Union fell and it's now Russia, they're not communists. Well, Putin is KGB, make no mistake about it. But China is still a communist country, folks. It's the most populous country, and it's a communist country, and they just gave their leader the option of retaining his position as the president of China for life. Now, I don't know where you come from, but in Mike Cutler world, he's a dictator. And many of the reforms that came about because of Tiananmen Square have been slowly pushed back. It's a totalitarian communist regime. For all the celebrations and all the lit cigars, we defeated communism. My goodness gracious, how stupid are we? How naive are we? Where in the world are are these people's heads? And we build our factories in China. They reverse engineer everything. They have no consideration for intellectual property rights. They threaten us after they build an illegal artificial island in the South China Sea. And you know what? I'd love to know how many of the engineers that participated in building that island 
and participated in building their warships. And if you read my article, look at all the links to all that China is doing, building the world's biggest nuclear navy. They're looking to surpass us, folks. They're using all of our technology because we are training them. And then their students are entitled to go work for American companies to get optional practical training. And the companies love this. This is the best thing since sliced bread for American companies, including American military contractors, because they get to fire Americans. Think how great that is for them. The hell with America, the hell with Americans. We don't care if, if Charlie on that assembly line has worked for us for 35 years and never called in sick, came to work even when he had family emergencies back home because he's a loyal, dedicated employee. Screw him. We can get a Chinese student to work for us for half the price. Wow, Charlie, here's your pink slip. Get out of the factory, and we'll have security escort you out so that you don't get to steal your stapler or your ballpoint pen with the company logo on it. That's the kind of greed and disloyalty that I'm talking about. So we have thousands upon thousands upon thousands of foreign workers working in the military industries. There was a Middle Easterner who was caught trying to steal secrets from the Gerald R. Ford. He was involved with, he was an engineer. We trained him here. And the Gerald R. Ford was just put to sea. It's the most advanced aircraft carrier that we have, the latest of the latest of the latest technology. It no longer uses a steam catapult. It uses an electromagnetic catapult. The arresting gear for the airplanes also highest tech, the best of the best. And this guy specifically went to work for the company that was building the Gerald R. Ford, even though it paid him less money than some other company offered him money, because he was determined to help terrorists sink the Gerald R. Ford. Now, this isn't conjecture, folks. This guy, fortunately, was encountered by the FBI because an informant warned him. And they had him on tape because he thought he was giving the enemies of the United States the ability to sink our aircraft carrier. And he joked on the tape and said, how stupid are the Americans? You would think they would want to be careful about letting foreigners work on their most important military assets. But these idiots were happy to give me a job, and now I'm going to help you to sink it. Thank God he made that discussion, made that point uh, on tape to an FBI undercover. This is how stupid we are. But if you dare suggest that we shouldn't be doing this, then you're labeled a xenophobe, a racist, a bigot. No, better we should be stupid and fools. This isn't about bigotry, folks. This isn't about bigotry. The problem is that U.S. citizenship is sacred. My mother was a naturalized citizen. My dad's family were naturalized. He was born in Brooklyn. My first wife, who died of cancer many years ago, her family immigrated after the Holocaust. They became naturalized citizens. And I have no problem with people becoming naturalized citizens. That's not the point. The point is that we have so streamlined the process, the way we vet folks who apply for citizenship, that it's become meaningless. This started with Jimmy Carter. It was continued by Bill Clinton. Bill Clinton brought on board a commissioner by the name of Doris Meisner, who hated immigration enforcement, 
hated them. She thought that by being immigration commissioner, her mission was to naturalize as many new citizens as possible. She was so determined to do this that they hired people off the street to act as immigration examiners, adjudications officers. I spent a year as an adjudications officer back, I hate to tell you how long ago, 1973. I got an award because I helped to uncover a marriage fraud ring involving Chinese aliens who had jumped ship, and a Chinese-American attorney was hooking them up with their loving brides who were often half or or two-thirds the age of their loving husband. They couldn't speak a common language. The guys were Chinese ship jumpers who only spoke Chinese, and the young ladies were Puerto Rican lesbian hookers. I kid you not. We eventually put the lawyer in jail. He was disbarred. We deported a bunch of aliens. Uh, But when I was an adjudications officer, the people who were doing the interviews for citizenship They were in a class by themselves. They were all lawyers, and they all had many, many, many years working for the U.S. government. These folks had the keys to the kingdom, and they treated them as though they were the nuclear launch codes. Back then, if someone applied for citizenship, an agent would go out and knock on doors and make certain that the person not only didn't have criminal convictions, but possessed something known as good moral character. And if you look it up, The requirement to demonstrate good moral character is still there, but the way we determine good moral character makes it all but meaningless. Because back then, if the agent went out and you had a bunch of neighbors say, yeah, Charlie's a good guy, but boy, oh boy, when he gets drunk every other week, when he gets paid, instead of coming home, he goes to the local bar and he hangs out with a bunch of hookers, and he is a nasty drunk We know a couple times he's beaten his children so badly, but the wife won't go to the police. One day he threw the kid's dog out the window, killed the poor animal. Well, guess what, folks? If you had enough people corroborate that, even if the guy had no convictions, we wouldn't give him citizenship. Certainly anyone who could act that reprehensibly does not possess good moral character. And I think we would all agree. But because of Doris Meisner and Bill Clinton, the wonderful Bill Clinton, right? They couldn't move the applications for citizenship fast enough, so they implemented a program known as Citizenship USA, where they ran 1.1 million applications for U.S. citizenship through the system so quickly that often fingerprints didn't even come back, and the adjudicators, and some of them were just hired off the street. Forget about the lawyers who'd been working for the government forever. And they were given quotas. So they didn't care. They were told approved. They approved. They wanted their paycheck. And so they were told, well, if you don't have fingerprints, don't worry about it. If, if eight months from now we find out that the guy has a criminal history, we'll, we'll just take away the citizenship. It mostly didn't happen. They mostly kept the citizenship. That's how screwed up we are. And that's when you open the door to the potential of spies and terrorists getting U.S. citizenship. Now, if you think I'm just being paranoid, and and by the way, we used to say in law enforcement uh, that just because you're paranoid, it doesn't mean you're not being followed. Consider the fact that one of the two Tsarnaev brothers who got got U.S. citizenship um, and then within a year went out and attacked the Boston Marathon and and killed that campus police officer and so forth. If you see the documentary, well, it's not documentary because there's a lot that's, you know, it's Hollywood. Patriot Day 
story, a movie, about the attack on the marathon. And they gloss over immigration because you have to. You see, this is Hollywood. God forbid you should discuss something bad about somebody who came into the country from someplace else. Unless, of course, we're talking about Ivanka Trump. Uh, if you saw that business with Jimmy Kimmel making fun of her accent, which I, I couldn't believe. Uh, I'm sure it's on YouTube somewhere. He actually made fun of this woman, the first lady of the United States, who speaks five languages, but she was seen reading some stories to children at the White House, and he was going nuts over the fact that she has an accent. I wish somebody would straighten that nitwit's brain out. My mother, may she rest in peace, came from Poland, and she and all of her friends had accents also, and I thought they were delightful. They spoke English. They spoke English fluently, and so does Ivanka Trump. But the fact that she has an accent was enough to insult the hell out of her, and I understand that he also insulted uh, Barron, the president's uh, their son, the president, and Ivanka's son. I mean, this is the kind of insanity that we're witnessing from people on the other side, not of the political spectrum, but of human conduct. I'm registered as a Democrat. These people aren't Democrats. The Democratic Party isn't the Democratic Party. I can't tell you the last time I voted for a Democrat. It's not that I'm a Democrat and there's something wrong with me. It's that the Democratic Party has been hijacked and taken control of by a bunch of certifiable anarchists who hate America more than anything in the universe, who hate Americans more than anything in the universe. These are self-hating, self-loathing Americans. And so... Doris Meisner was eager to admit the world in to, I guess, dilute the American population, irrespective of race or religion. She didn't care about that. She just wanted to make sure that we knocked down the value of citizenship in this country. She did everything she could to impede immigration law enforcement. I was there. I was there. We never had enough agents, and we still don't by design. And that's because of the Republicans. Understand the problem that Donald Trump has, both parties. Both parties don't see immigration the way you or I do. They don't see our borders the way you or I do. Their goal is to deliver an unlimited supply of cheap foreign labor, an unlimited supply of foreign tourists and foreign students. And that's why they make statements about how we can't deport all these people, so let's legalize them. They don't say that about any other law violations. You've never heard people say, well, there's too many people with driver's licenses to stop all the drunks. There are too many people with cell phones and driver's licenses to stop people from texting while driving. Instead, they do the opposite. If we catch you, you're finished. We're taking your car. We're taking your money. We're going to put you in jail. That's called deterrence through enforcement until we get to immigration. And then we hear from both sides of the aisle, the Democrats are worse, but only marginally. Only marginally. Oh, we can't deport all these people. Well, if you can't deport them, what do we do with them? Oh, give them lawful status. But it's not really an amnesty, because the, Dem the Republicans will tell you, we're not going to give them citizenship. All that the people who run the borders want when they get here, for the most part, is to be able to work and send money home. And these folks want to give them the ability to do just that. It's an amnesty. And I'm not going to get hung up on the word amnesty. What I am hung up on, the fact, is that this is duplicitous conduct. Ted Cruz wanted to have a five-fold increase in the number of H-1B visas. Let's see how many more Americans we can fire. 
so Bill Gates can hire more people from India and drive wages down still further. That's what this is all about. Alan Greenspan testified for Chuck Schumer, referred to American high-tech workers as the privileged elite earning this wage premium because they were being shielded from foreign competition. Mitt Romney said, well, when we train foreign students in the United States, we should be stapling green cards onto their diplomas. I'm sure you heard that one. And why should we do that? So they don't take their skills and go halfway around the world. Well, I have a better suggestion. I just wrote a new article for Front Page Magazine. I hope they'll publish it, and I hope it's published soon. They generally publish most of what I write, but every once in a while they have editorial uh, consideration. So, but I, I expect that Front Page will do this. They've been they've been so supportive and so excellent. Uh, I have to tell you, it's really in my world a privilege to write for David Horowitz and the Freedom Center. Uh, and, and, and so what I what I wrote about uh, is, is this whole fake notion that you know these people from foreign countries are going to take their training and go halfway around the world. The obvious solution, folks. Stop training foreign students. Start putting American kids in those classrooms. Then the worst they'll do is go halfway across town or maybe halfway across the United States. But sure as hell, they're not going to go halfway across the world. The three greatest countries for sending us their foreign students are India, China, and believe it or not, hold on to your seat, Saudi Arabia. Let's remember how many of the hijackers on 9-11 were Saudis. This is the kind of conduct, the kind of conduct that's impossible to comprehend. Impossible to comprehend. China rattles its sabers at us when we get too close to that fake island in the middle of the South China Sea. And the sabers might as well be stamped made in USA because the engineers who built those sabers were trained in America. And my new article that I just wrote, you'll find out about how much hacking the Chinese do. The three countries that do the greatest damage to us by hacking our computers are Russia, China, and Iran. And we have Chinese students in the United States learning computer programming. Can someone please explain to me what in the world our leaders in Washington are thinking about. And if Donald Trump wants to get serious about the trade war, well, that trade war has been ongoing for decades. Bill Clinton promised to end China's status, most favored nation status that was bestowed upon them by George Bush Sr. Maybe they, uh, they, they got to him when he was in China as the ambassador to China. God only knows. I don't know what's in his head. Uh, what motivates other people. But he was the guy who said, let's give the most favored trade status. They're not our friends. They're our adversaries. And Bill Clinton comes along and made that a campaign issue. When I'm elected president, they're not going to have most favored nation status. Well, guess what? He became president, and he decided to allow them to continue to have that status. And the lame excuse that Bill Clinton gave was that they were committing so many atrocities, so many human rights violations, that he thought that giving them most, or allowing them to continue with most favored trade status, most favored nation status, would help to convince them to become nice. To become nice. 
let's try the policy of appeasement. We saw how well that worked with Great Britain during the Second World War. We're going to appease them. Really? See, the problem with politicians in America is they understand how bribery works. See? And, and if they look at Chamberlain from England and the policy of appeasement towards Hitler um, wound up getting England into a very, very deadly Second World War with Germany, appeasement. But the politicians in America say, well, bribes are okay. We call them campaign contributions. Let's just do the same with our adversaries, and they'll do what we want if we give them enough money or enough whatever. No, they won't. China, uh, you know, has one goal, and that goal is to become the preeminent force in the world. They're not looking for anything less than that. They want to supplant the United States. And we are greasing the skids for America by training an army of Chinese hackers, an army of Chinese engineers. We're allowing their people to work for military contractors and steal our secrets. We are naturalizing people from other countries without properly screening them. And once you give someone United States citizenship, you truly hand them the keys to the kingdom. You make it possible for them to get top-secret clearances. And it happens again and again and again and again and again and again, and we don't learn from past mistakes. My dad raised me by, to, to believe, my parents raised me to believe, that there's no mistakes in life, only lessons. If you do something that doesn't work out well, don't do it again. You know, doing the same thing the same way and expecting a different outcome is a definition of insanity. So we keep on keeping on with China, most favored nation status and everything else. And now we're hearing all these concerns that China is going to engage in a trade war with the United States. Time out. Time out. When a foreign government steals intellectual property when they commit industrial espionage as though it was going out of style and they're, they're beating the drums every minute of every day hacking into government and corporate and private computers and law enforcement computers and stealing trade secrets folks those are acts of economic war that is a trade war these idiots who are talking about, oh, my God, China's going to get involved with a trade war. We've been at war, and it's been a one-sided war because America has been allowing it. Time that you see this nonsense with the hacking, I saw Obama at the press go, oh, they're, going to, they're promising they're going to play nice. They're not going to hack. You get rid of all their foreign students. You say, out, out. We're not going to train computer programmers so they can go back to China and tap into our computers and gain control over our power grid. God forbid the first round of an actual war with the United States won't be Pearl Harbor. It'll be a blackout. It'll be a blackout because foreign computer hackers will have figured out how to take down the grid. And they will have been trained in the United States of America. This isn't conjecture. It's not paranoia. Read the articles about Chinese hacking. In fact, I include some links in my upcoming article. They are at war with us, and we're sitting there saying, well, they're not playing nice. Not playing nice my backside. They have been at war with us for decades, and we have been aiding them. 
this is as stupid as bringing in members of organized crime and giving them new guns and firearms instruction. Why the hell would you do it? So that the universities can get their tuition? One of the problems we have in America is we are short-sighted. Politicians can't think beyond the next election, and corporate leaders, so-called, can't see beyond the next earning statement. China doesn't think that way. And Chinese president certainly doesn't think that way because long-term for him now means as long as he breathes. He is president for life. Long-term for him is 10, 15, 20, 25, 30 years from now. They are looking down the road in terms of decades and generations, and we're looking down the road in terms of November, the next election day. They have the long view. We have the short view. And to be a safe driver, yes, you've got to watch the bumper of the car in front of you. You don't want to hit it if the guy stops short for no reason. But the smart driver is also looking down the road to see if the bridge is out, to see if they're approaching ice or an accident. America doesn't do that. All that our executives from the corporations look at is their earnings statement. And half of these guys jump from one company to the next. They sit on each other's boards of directors so they can shovel millions upon millions upon millions of dollars into their little private bank accounts, the hell with the damage they do to the companies. How many times have we seen this happen? There was a time, there was a time, when the CEO of a company was happy to make 40 or 50 times what the average employee made on the production line. The CEO was happy. He was making a good living. The wheels were turning. Today, you have CEOs who make hundreds of times, hundreds, plural, of what their average employee earns. The level of greed, the golden parachutes, are unprecedented, unprecedented. While real earnings have declined in the American middle class, we've never had more billionaires in the United States. Think about that. I believe in capitalism. I don't believe in corporate welfare. Illegal immigration and foreign workers who come legally are forms of corporate welfare. If you don't like welfare, if you're a conservative, understand that when we subsidize foreign workers to come to the United States, we hollow out the middle class, we wind up with huge amounts of money being wired out of the country, the remittances, we wind up losing our trade secrets. There's no good news here, folks, except for the people who are looting the American economy and looting corporate economies. This is not a sustainable business model. America's national debt continues to climb like a rocket, and the average American is having trouble making ends meet, and we still have tens of millions of unemployed Americans. Anybody with a half a brain has to look at the equation and say this isn't a good situation. I recently heard a commercial that alarmed me. There's a proposal or a company out there that will help you Lease your family car to a stranger to help you make your monthly car payment. When have you ever heard that kind of madness in America? You know, the American dream used to be two cars in the driveway of of a person's house. How many Americans are finding that home ownership is becoming increasingly elusive because we can't afford it? And we don't buy cars these days. We lease them because buying them is too damn expensive. And God forbid if you have to repair it. 
This is the frog in boiling water. No one has been paying attention. And over time, things have gotten progressively worse, and people just kind of didn't pay attention and said, oh, well, I, I guess this is the way it has to be. And they kept tightening their belts and tightening their belts and tightening their belts, and look where we are. The middle class is on the verge of extinction. Yes, Donald Trump has done some things that are helpful. I agree with the tax cuts and so forth. But long term, this is not sustainable. And I want someone to explain why in the world we are allowing corporations to hire foreign workers and screw over Americans. And I know that Donald Trump has been trying to push back against it. And, of course, that's in part why the Republican Party isn't happy with Donald Trump. The globalists are running America, and this has been going on for decades, folks. And please, don't for a moment look at some guy and say, well, if there's an R after his name, then he's a better choice than someone who has a D after his name. And there are Democrats who think the same way. And for the most part, there's not that big a difference between the Democrats and the Republicans, because most of them and the leaders of the parties are globalists. And don't forget for a moment that many of them are getting campaign contributions from the same parties, the same organizations, no matter what party they belong to, because the people making those contributions don't give a damn if they win or lose. They just want to know that they themselves win. So they win by contributing to the same to the candidates from both parties for the same political position, so that no matter who wins the election, the contributor wins. And if you don't think campaign contributions are bribes, you're nuts. You're nuts. As a federal agent, I was not allowed to accept a cup of coffee when I was on duty. The idea was they don't want anyone to feel that they have an influence over you, and they don't want any employee to think that they owe somebody something other than the American people in honest day's work. And most federal agents I work with, the great, great, great majority, work their tails off under tough conditions, dangerous conditions, to give the American people their money's worth. But who thwarted us? The people at the top of the food chain. And it didn't matter who was in the Oval Office, because both parties for the last decades have had a global agenda. Flood America with cheap foreign labor, and the stories, you know, oh, they're doing the work Americans won't do, our schools are failing us. By the way, let's dispel at least that part of the myth about the schools. Yes, there's lots wrong with the American school system. I'm not going to argue. But part of the reason that if you look at these standings in the world about U.S. literacy and science and math and those numbers look so terrible, here's something you probably never thought of. How many foreign students attending American schools, these are kids who came here illegally, the gangbangers, MS-13, whatever, they come as teenagers, they were functionally illiterate in their home country, so now we put them into an American classroom how do you have a 15- or a 14-year-old kid who has barely attended school in his home country and, let's say, in some other language, Spanish or whatever, pick any language, play the game of catch-up with American kids? And the answer is they don't. And we pour tons of money into this. English is a second language. According to the Congressional Budget Office, they did a study back in 2007, and they found that it costs 20 to 40% more to try to try to educate kids who can't speak, read, or write English. But when those kids take exams and they crash and burn, those numbers are factored into the overall averages. They are factored into the overall averages. 
And when you realize that, I saw a study done a while back, according to the Center for Immigration Studies, one in five American families don't speak English at home. Think about that number. So think about how those kids who can't read, write, or speak English pulled down the average on those tests to see how literate and proficient in math and science American kids are. So the American kids are probably doing okay, but you've got millions of kids who can't speak, read, or write English. So imagine what their test scores look like, and that's where the numbers plummet and crash and burn. So that's not to say that we don't need to do a much better job educating our children. We absolutely do. But I can tell you that my kids got a wonderful free education, even going to municipal colleges here. Um, you know, my oldest son is the chief of engineering of a major company, a division of a major corporation, and he got his education, uh, you know, in, in a city university. So it's not that the schools are as bad as you think they are. It's the way the statistics are being interpreted, and no one's paying attention to any of this because it's just so difficult to keep up with all the information. And then, of course, you've got the fake news. And, and I want to just quickly turn to, to a news report that was on CBS radio earlier today. And I tried to find it online, and there were some stories, but they kind of nibble around the edges. But CBS radio reported how a man in his late 20s was killed, went missing, and the FBI found his body out on Long Island. They believe that he's a victim of MS-13. And the news broadcaster, and this is the interesting point, said that the massive influx of MS-13 on Long Island uh, really happened with the unaccompanied minors that were admitted under the Obama administration. I almost fell out of my chair. That's accurate, but my God, imagine a news station reporting the news. I began investigating MS-13 in the early 90s, and they were a relatively small problem here in New York. And those unaccompanied minors flooded America with gang members. And if you look at the names of the victims of the gangs, with very, very few exceptions, the victims are members of the Latino community. Then they interviewed this girl who was attacked, and she said that she came to America illegally, fearful of MS-13 because they had killed family members. And to her horror, she goes to school, and some kid comes up to her and starts pumping her for information who are you? What's your family's name? And she didn't want to give anyone her real name. She was afraid they'd get even with family members back home. And that's a real concern. And she said the way that she was being questioned and the guy's Spanish accent led her to believe that, in fact, this guy was a member of MS-13 and had come here from El Salvador. And guess what? That's exactly right. So she thought she was coming to America to flee MS-13, and lo and behold, first day of school or within a week of starting school, whatever the time frame, some guy comes up to her and starts hammering away, who are you and who's your brother and who's your sister and what's your father's name and what town did you come from? And she said he was so aggressive she just knew he was MS-13, and she subsequently found out that in point of fact he was MS-13. But, of course, the solution is to let all the children come here, never mind that among those children are members of MS-13. And that's what the journalists don't talk about. That's why when someone from another country commits a crime, very often the news release or the news article will say, oh, man from Huntington, Long Island committed a murder. And nowhere in the article does it say, well, that man came here from some other country. And we have that problem 
not nearly as frequently now. When Obama was in the White House, it was inevitable. Even Justice Department press releases, you know, New York man arrested. And then you'd go and dig up newspaper article after newspaper article, and somebody would finally say, yeah, the guy came here from Guatemala. But the Justice Department wouldn't even put that in their news releases during the Obama administration. And the idea was simple. Don't discuss immigration. Don't have anybody draw that that line that connects immigration to violent crime. You see? These are all the tactics. Faisal Shahzad, the Times Square bomber, was described by Ray Kelly, the New York City Police Commissioner, as a classic example of a homegrown terrorist. Faisal Shahzad set off that SUV bomb in Times Square in 2010, if you remember the incident. It sizzled. It didn't go kaboom because some... Um, sharp-eyed street vendors saw smoke pouring out of the SUV, called the police, and they cordoned off the area, and they they defused the bomb. Classic example of homegrown terrorists, maybe not so much. Because when you read the report, he came here at the age of 20 on a student visa from Pakistan, homegrown, and who's home? You come to America at the age of 20 on a student visa, and you're described by the New York City Police Commissioner as homegrown? And Kelly knows better. He really does. He's a bright guy. I met him in the green room at Fox. Smart guy. He was in the Marine Corps. He'd been the Commissioner of United States Customs. Not a dummy. And the New York City Police Department is the most sophisticated police department, I would argue, maybe in the world, for a city department. They have detectives stationed all over the world, basically doing the sort of thing that CIA agents do, gathering intelligence around the world. So this is one sophisticated police department with uh, over 37,000 members. It's a small army, not a police department, with all kinds of resources. I had the privilege of working closely with the NYPD for my entire career. In fact, the day that I was injured, my last full day of work, uh, I was executing arrest and search warrants on, over at the Drug Task Force, and I, I was, we did that entry. I, I did the entry that day. I blew my knee out. Uh, I was shoulder-to-shoulder with a New York City police detective, um, and, and the people who were with us on that raid were members of the FBI as well as the NYPD. So I speak from experience. They're very sophisticated, very knowledgeable. And yet the commissioner of the New York City Police Department described Faisal Shazad as a classic example of a homegrown terrorist. Now, how is that possible? Because the narrative is we don't talk about immigration. And you hear about it when you think about Nancy Pelosi standing on the floor of the House of Representatives, hammering away, the dreamers are the best of the best of the best of the best. The dreamers are terrific. They're illegal aliens. And we don't know when they came in. Every news organization said these are aliens who came as kids. No, these are aliens who claim they came as kids. They could be in their 30s. They have to claim they got here before their 16th birthday. No field investigations, no interviews. And when you run the border, there's no record of your entry created. How hard is it to lie about when you got here? Give me a break. And when you're dealing with someone who comes at the age of 15 and can't speak or read or write English and is barely literate in the Spanish language, what's the likelihood that that person is about to discover a cure for cancer or figure out how to build warp drive and and, and take us to the stars? But this is the narrative. Anybody who comes here from another country is much better than any American. And you look at the way that the average American kids live, especially America's minorities, American blacks, American Latinos, 
They have bleak futures. When you see all the rioting and all that's going on, these kids are scared, they're frustrated, and most of the interaction they've had with law enforcement has been negative, not positive. When you live in an environment where you can't get an honest job and build a resume and build a future, which is what all of us had to do as kids, you know, the conundrum, you can't get a job without a resume, but how do you build a resume without a job? Well, if you're a kid living in these neighborhoods and all the menial jobs are being done by illegal aliens, so you can't even go out there and get a bottom-rung job, very often when those kids want to get their hands on a couple of bucks, they might get involved in some local minor crime, quote-unquote, shoplifting, selling a little bit of marijuana, whatever the deal is. So from the time that they're teenagers, when they see a guy with a badge, they don't see a friend, they see an adversary. And they know that their future isn't what they would want for it to be. They live in abject poverty. I've been in those neighborhoods. I would rather we put kids living in poverty in universities if they maintain great average so that they can get a free education. And if we can build up their futures, they build America's futures along with themselves. We're not doing that because corporations would much rather hire people from India or China. They'd much rather betray Americans so they can shovel more money into their overflowing bank accounts. You know, the communists used to say that the capitalists will sell you the rope with which you will hang them. Folks, we're having a fire sale on rope. The average American needs to get involved. You need to get involved. You need to speak to your neighbors peacefully, but persuasively, based it on facts, go to my website, michaelcutler.net. Please go to frontpagemag.com. Go to the social contract. I occasionally write for Newsmax as well. Truth is very powerful. Facts are very powerful. Please get involved. You know, I always make this point at the end of my program that democracy is not a spectator sport. And I've had people say to me, well, I'm only one person. Individuals write history. When I was given the privilege of introducing Lou Barletta to his campaign crowd in Pennsylvania, he's running for the Senate, I hope he wins. I said, you know, if you think about all the millions of people who died and even more millions who were displaced during the Second World War, it's unbelievable. It's the most traumatic that that the world ever faced, the human species. But yet if you ask someone to take a pen and paper and you give them 10, 15 minutes and say write down the names of all the people who played a major role in the Second World War, for good or bad, most people couldn't come up with more than two dozen names, the two dozen names of people that were willing to step forward. Every one of us has the potential to make a change in this world. Every one of us has the potential to write history. Don't take the cop-out route and say, I can't do anything you'd be amazed at what you can accomplish if only you try. Get involved, folks. It's very important for ourselves, for our country, for our children, and for our children's children. Take a position. Please, everyone needs to be involved here. That's the one job that all Americans not only can do, but must do. Have a great weekend, everybody. I look forward to seeing you again next week right here on the Michael Cutler Hour. So long for now.